To our listeners, please accept our apologies as the original recording with all the CMOs had some technical issues with regards to Dr. Tomlinson's interviewing microphone. As a result, we will have his comments available as a second and separate podcast. Similarly, Drs. Diamico and Bachneck were unable to be at this recording, and thus they are also available as a separate podcast. Do enjoy their insightful and humorous thoughts on why they have enjoyed their roles as CMOs. Well, welcome to Get in the Know with your CMO. I'm Drew Herman. And I'm Saj Joy. And we have a special treat today. We have, uh, we're, we're, uh, joined by many of the other chief medical officers and Metro Division, right. of course. And so this is really a privilege because we get to meet who our other chief medical officers are throughout our area, and uh, they're part of our atrium system, so this is really excellent. All right. Well, I think probably what I'll start with is have them introduce themselves and say something about them uh, personally and kind of what makes them tick, and let's get started. So I, I'm Vineet Goel. I have been a CMO within Atrium Health for last eight years, and I've been on a quality journey for more than 15 years. So I'm trained in internal medicine, practice emergency medicine, and the part that I enjoy most about this is trying to improve the quality that we deliver to our patients each and every day. And Vineet, where are you CMO at? I'm CMO at two of the facilities of Atrium, that is Atrium Health University City and Atrium Health Lincoln. All right. So I'm Dan Hagler. I'm the CMO at Atrium Health Cabarrus. Used to be Northeast a couple of months ago. Uh, I have the dubious distinction of being the longest-serving CMO in the system. have been a CMO here for 14 years. When I first got here, I was the only CMO in the system. I started out at Union and was there for seven years in the past seven years at Northeast. Um, I've also, I think I'm one of the few, I guess me and John, have been in Charlotte our entire careers. Started out in private practice. I'm an internist and an infectious disease doctor. And uh, I go back long enough to remember when everybody was in private practice and there were three hospital systems and only two satellite hospitals. Um, so, uh, I like process improvement, um, and I like working with medical staff. I've watched the Charlotte area go from everyone being in private practice and sort of a VPMA model to where we are now, where everyone's integrated, and that's the stuff I like to work on. So, so it sounds like they're going to be putting the Hagler statue in front of uh, Adrian Health Cabarrus at any time? Yeah, I'll just take the gold watch and split <laughs> Well, that Hagler statue, is that going to look kind of like a dinosaur? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not, I feel old enough to be a dinosaur. A little short alligator arms. <laughs> so I'm John Barkley and CMO for Continuing Care, uh, which what that means, uh, unlike a single hospital, it's our um, five nursing homes, Healthy at Home, which is our home health company, home infusion, home medical equipment. Uh, two hospice organizations. Uh, my background is in uh, pulmonary and critical care, and as Dan mentioned, um, I came to town, my wife and I came to town in early 97, 
uh, in private practice for about six years and really kind of got fed up with how poorly we were taking care of patients at end of life and uh, left my practice to go work uh, as the first hospice, uh, as the first paid hospice medical director for what was in hospice at Charlotte. From there, we developed uh, palliative care. Uh, so that was 2002 through 2010, and, and I came in this role nine and a half years ago for a couple of reasons. One is that I was working closely with, at the time, Carolina's healthcare system, uh, and really felt like I'd reached the limit of what I could do in terms of culture change outside of the system, and really wanted to get inside the system. The the other was really just a professional opportunity to grow and learn more about quality and patient safety. And it's been an amazing journey. I think what I what I really like about this seat I sit in is that I've been everywhere from the ICU to some uh, person who's living in a trailer where the floorboards uh, are falling out, and that's that's where their care is. So I've sort of seen the whole continuum and trying to stitch all that together in a meaningful way. And what I like most about the work in general is the people I work with every day. I mean, I, the, the work itself is intellectually stimulating. I feel like it makes a difference. Um, uh, and I just, I love coming to work because I like the people I work with. I think it's a special place to be. So I have the unique privilege of being the newest youngest and only female CMO of our group. I'm Sheila Myers. I'm the CMO at Atrium Health Pineville. I'm new to the role just two months in now and been part of the system for about three and a half years now. Had moved down from Northern Virginia, Washington, D.C. area where I'd been in private practice for about seven years before I came here. Um, I'm a neurologist by training and the passion that I have for caring for my patients I also have for all of the people that I work with. And over the several years that I've been in practice and then part of the system here, one of the things that became more and more apparent to me was the frustrations that people were seeing in the changes of the face of medicine, the business of medicine, the culture of medicine. And being in a role like this gave me the opportunity not to just advocate for my own individual patients, but for all of those that care for them, um, to be able to articulate the needs of those that I work with and to actually reach a whole lot more patients and elevate their care as well. So I guess the first question is that one of the roles of a CMO includes maintaining our accreditation. And why don't we start with Sheila real quick as the, the person who's recently experienced the survey and give us some feedback on what that's like. But before we go there, um, part of this uh, part of this podcast is is supposed to be funny. So oh, yeah. I'm going to tell a joke right now Absolutely if that's okay. Perfect. Yes, it's a violent joke. Violent. Okay. Yeah. So two you know nuts, this is a, two nuts walk into a bar. Uh-huh. One was assaulted. Yes, thank you very much. All right. Let's so see, so I would like to add something to that is that the, <laughs> the joke or that maybe joke. Let us let us see what it turns out. That going off the rails it, already. Yes. It was mentioned that Dr. Domingo is going through a survey. I would just like to clarify, he's not going through any survey. It is his facilities that are going through the survey. That's exactly right. So. Yeah. Um, a lot of unique things, I think, especially for those of us coming from the physician side and then seeing what happens on the facility side. So an amazing opportunity to see how widespread the involvement is in making a hospital run, run effectively, uh, comply with state, uh, federal regulations, as well as uh, maintain quality care for our patients on a, on a dynamic and active basis. 
So this stretches across the entire whole house um, with involvement not only from physicians and nursing, from all the teammates that make everything work, from our lab services, from radiology, um, from dietary, from patient transport. So an amazing opportunity to not only see that we meet what we see on paper as far as policies and regulations, but that's an active process and that there are so many people involved each day in ensuring that we continue to improve our patient care. Yeah, and um, so I'd like the experience of some of our senior members of our team. I'm sorry, didn't mean senior. Experienced members of our team. And uh, what's the, 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 the most worrisome or the most stressful uh, experience when you're undergoing a survey that you've had personally? Not only are the hospitals highly complex, they're um, highly regulated. And there are layer upon layer of rules and regs and CMS requirements and state requirements that you might not even know about. I, I come from a little bit of an advantage being an infectious disease doc because a big chunk is infection prevention and that's highly regulated. But I would guess the things that give me the most heartburn are those uh, Oh, blank pucker moments when they find something that you had no idea was going on or you thought was under control. Or when I was first doing this, you know, most people bring their own specialty and their own experience to the table, but you got to learn everything. So if something happens in PEDS and you haven't seen, been on a PEDS unit since your third year of medical school, those are always. Um, Tap dance moments. <laughs> um, the good news from where I started in 2006 when I was the only CMO is I've got all these smart people right here that I can pick up the phone and say, hey, they've just pulled this out of this report. What the heck do I do? What am I supposed to know when I go talk to them? And, uh, you know, what should we be doing? And, and I would say nine times out of ten you can get out of a – which you think is a deep, dark hole by shedding some light by talking to the rest of the folks that are in the organization. That's one of the biggest advantages of being an organization like Atrium because there's always either somebody that's already been through it or somebody way smarter than you that can give you the answer. Yeah. So, so from my perspective, I think as I got into this one and I went on survey on tracers with the surveyors, I think that's the moment that I learned the most. I identified how the surveyors look at things, and that gave me a little bit new perspective. Fortunately, unfortunately, I have not had any moments where we have been in deep hole. However, whatever holes we thought we were, we have always been able to, to dug out of them by talking to the smart people around and then trying to convince the surveyors. So I think sometimes what happens is, if you don't have logical answers to surveyors, that is when they tend to hit you with it. If you can convince with your logic, a lot of times they are pretty reasonable. So, so I have been very thankful for that. Yeah. And I have learned quite a bit. Yeah, I, um, if you're a medical staff leader or department chair or even someone on rounds, only answer the question you're asked. That's right. If that's one bit of advice I can always give. <laughs> don't, do don't not, volunteer. when you're in a hole, quit digging. And don't volunteer information that wasn't asked because they will, they will pull that thread and pretty soon the entire sweater is a big ball of yarn on the floor. So I think the um, way I was taught was don't show them how smart you are. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what about you? John? Yes, I, was, I always marvel at what you all have to go through um, from a survey perspective. I would say hospice 
is pretty straightforward. Um, home health is is pretty straightforward, and mostly because we have really skilled people doing the work. The the one that's just um, the wild wild west is skilled nursing facilities, mm. and so we've got annual surveys, and then as just like for you all, DHSR can must come when when called, and and uh, because of the nature of um, the where the patients are in their their life journey when they enter skilled nursing and the stress that puts on their loved ones and all the other things that go on in skilled nursing dhsr is in one of our five buildings all the time mm. and so I, I sort of feel like we're under constant um survey uh um, or examination to to chuck's point and we've got a great team. I, I, I think that, um, with all due respect to you all working in hospitals, SNFs are more highly regulated, actually. Yeah. Uh, so it, it, it can be uh, it can be brutal. Yeah. I mean, when you go to work every day, what's the most fun part of it for you? I think for me the most fun part is interacting with the different physicians, different specialties, going to the floor and talking to the nursing staff and mingling and... So I think that is the most fun part, that is when you interact and try to build relationships, and then that may help you later on with your real work that you do. Yeah. So, so that's... Yeah, I would say the same thing. I think I enjoy working with other physicians. It's a different role. I feel you can actually make their lives a lot better or solve problems for them at this level. Sometimes that's a little painful, and you may get beat up a lot, but those are usually challenges. Um, I think, you know... Having a good relationship with most of your medical staff is your primary goal. Without that, you're not going to be successful. Um, and, and I enjoy that. It's no different than sometimes back when we were in private practice and we're all hanging out in the physician's lounge or whatever we call it now, provider's lounge. Um, it's very similar, and a lot of it is but developing one-on-one uh, -on -one relationships and developing new leaders. And to me, that's, especially as I get older, and someone's got to come behind me soon. Mm. Um, it's very is 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 a fun part of the job. John, Sheila. Um, well, I would I would reiterate. I just I really enjoy the people that I get to work with day yeah. in and day out. And I, I guess the the most exciting thing for me is identifying opportunities, and whether that's a, a quality improvement opportunity, a programmatic opportunity. I'm I'm also I think. Fortunate in that my role gives has given me a lot of latitude to help evolve programs. Um, so I don't have the medical staff I have to deal with. I have doctors now and again, but they don't. You know, it's not like the burden or the opportunity that you all get in that regard. Um, so I, I like sort of being able to say what's the problem to solve, what are the data sources to inform that, and then who who do we need to get to the table to to sort of move something forward and. That's, that's probably my favorite part of the role. Great. I think a lot of us um, went through medical school and tried out different specialties and perhaps found one that was our passion or perhaps liked many of them and chose one anyway. And so one of the things that I really enjoy is being able to have that interaction with all the different areas in the hospital, physicians from all different specialties. Um, but one of the things that's most rewarding for me um, is finding that little pebble in the shoe of a physician or a hospital teammate that makes it hard for them to do their job or to find a remi be reminded of that passion they had. 
And if you can remove that pebble to be able to watch them climb that mountain is really rewarding. Oh, that's great. Well, let's keep this thing. Oh, go ahead, Sheila. The next question also comes back to what's the least favorite part of your job role? I mean, only a couple of months, but you probably have had some fun moments. Yeah, so behavior management, I don't think anyone enjoys doing that. I think the, the end result is, is why you do it, that we all we all want to do our best and be our best person. Um, having the opportunity to figure out whether or not there's something you could do for that person to make them their best person is is why I do it. But mm-hmm. sure, no one likes those hard conversations. Or, sure. And as, as a peer, it's it's a it's a difficult thing to do. You know, we um, become physicians and rise to the top of our profession, and it's hard to see someone else as as overseeing uh, your behavior. That seems like something that should be within your own control and your own decision making. And so that's probably my least favorite. Understood. John? Yeah, I would I would say just at the times when confrontation um, is needed, I, despite my ripe old age, I, I still enjoyed that least, even though that's probably among the most important things that uh, is asked of me in this role. And um, I just, years ago, when, when the, the role I was in before I came to, to Atrium, I was in one of those moments and I um, had a Still, still have good friends, and the the wife is a uh, at the time was running HR for Bank of America, uh, all the Bank of America, and so lot, lots of uh, lots of experience. And she said, you know, John, you just have to claim the authority of your role, and and that was a nice aha for me um, uh, to say it's not about John and Sheila. It's like, hey, in my role as CMO for continuing care, this is just part of what comes with it. Right. And 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 um, so that's been a helpful Message. thing for, for me and something that back to mentoring as as I've gotten older and there are younger physician leaders now, I've watched them struggle with a similar thing. And it's like, OK, you know, you just have to have to claim it. Right. And and, um, and so it takes some of the unpleasantness away from Got my it. perspective. Well, I think it all ties in, right? You build those relationships. You you share your transparency and the trust that you've built. And, yes, there is a component of this that is the role that has to not only dig into what the problem is that leads to some of these behavioral issues, and most often there are something at the root of it, but then you're really trying to help your physician, colleague, teammate, or whoever the situation is. So... And, and trying to get that across in a loving way to show that this is not personal. This is really to try to help. Anything different from you two gentlemen? Oh, I would say that as time's gone on, again, this is when you get to be senior status. <laughs> those uh, crucial conversations around behavior actually get easier because I think uh, you get pretty well used to the fact that um, almost all physicians are front row kids, top of the class, and nobody comes to work to be a jerk. Right. So there's usually some reason, something going on, and you spend the time to figure that out. You've got to fix the behavior, but nobody is, you know, I think early on you kind of think this person's a bad egg, but there's very, very few bad eggs. So I would say that the things that bother me the most now are the things that um, just I don't want to deal with anymore, like uh, 
Why do you argue about call rooms when almost nobody actually takes call anymore? <laughs> uh, there's a hospitalist to do that. Um, who's got better food in the doctor's lounge between the various places we work and the parking lot? Those are all things I would love not to ever have to deal with again, but those are things the CMO gets drawn into. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> So I agree with everything that Dan said about the parking lot and food and all those. But again, I, I will echo about the behavior. That is the thing that is most displeasing to deal with. However, I think it is the first step of that that is the most hard, that is the hardest. That means getting the physicians to come to the level of acceptance of what it is. Because I think that I find is the hardest. Once they have acceptance, though they may say they accept it, but they really don't. Mm. So, and we have seen those things in certain physicians. So, so that is the hardest part of this role that I that I sure. find myself in. Yeah. All right. So, quick little side note: we're going to go to a joke and see who can answer this one. Where did the bull take the cow on a date? To dinner and a movie. <laughs> Yeah, that gets three days. So we only got a, have a few more minutes. Um, uh, what refuels you all? I mean, our job is is very challenging, and we're on twenty four seven. I mean, the only way we are not on is when we're out of a country, out of the country somewhere, and can't be reached by phone. But I think we're all carrying our phones and are available twenty four seven. So what do you do to recharge yourself or refuels you to coming to do the work that you do? I, I would, I'm, I'm like Chuck. I, um, when, when uh, I've taken, I don't know, how, the Myers-Briggs how many times, and I'm, I'm like 0.5, you know, to the plus. So technically I'm an ENT whatever, P or J. But I, I am definitely an introvert. And so I like when I'm off. There's nothing I like better than being out on the driving range, hitting a bucket of balls way at the end when no one's around me and a lot of fresh air. Got it. And, and you know, um, that's, I think that's what it's about for me to get, get rejuvenated. So, so I've always been, uh, had been involved in doing some sort of exercise all my life. They have played different games, but over the years they have changed from one to the other based on my physical status. <laughs> so now lately, for the last, last five years, I've been enjoying mountain biking. Oh. And actually I'm going to go right after this, this afternoon for mountain biking also. So that gives me a lot of like, relaxing time yeah. that when I'm out there that I don't think of anything. Good for you, yeah. I used to like doing that too, but I've gotten to the break, not bounce age. So these things my wife used. First she took away my skis, then she took away my rollerblades, and then she took away my mountain bike because I've got to get to the finish line to retirement, I guess. But uh, um, actually, I'm a workaholic and I'm an extreme extrovert, which most people would probably not. So I like work and I like projects and. Um, my Myers-Briggs is the one that can argue both sides of any question, so I like getting in and mixing it up, so I'm good with it. So, um, you know, my slowdown is trying to figure out what we're going to We're now truly empty nesters and trying to figure out what's the next phase. We finally got uh, both of my sons successfully off into the real world and married off, so um, we're enjoying um, 
being just the two of us, which we were only for about a year and a half into our marriage, 35 years into it. So it's kind of fun rediscovering what it was like when we first started out. Awesome. Awesome. I'm also an extrovert, so I actually try and spend as much time with people outside of work as possible, but I try and spend as much time outside of work with people I don't work with uh, to to really get refueled. And it's a nice reminder of the rest of the world that exists around us, um, that the problems that seem big inside the walls seem really small then when you see the rest of the world. I've got young children, and we spend a lot of time outdoors and just um, make the most of, of those moments that we have where life is a little bit easier. Yeah. Uh, do you all want to share a little more, more about your families? I mean, you said two kids for you. Uh, yeah, I've got two young kids. I have a six- and an eight-year-old that are in elementary school and learning Chinese right now. Wow, wow. Anybody else? Uh, my wife and I have a 19-year-old freshman in college in North Carolina State, which really is I'm in counseling for because I'm a Tar Heel. Um, <laughs> Go back. But nonetheless, he's uh, he's cut out of the will for sure. Our daughter, <laughs> our daughter is a senior in high school, so we're getting ready to be, or as we say down south, fixing to be empty nesters, uh, and actually really excited uh, about entering that phase of our lives. So uh, I have two sons, um, and my oldest is an OMFS resident in the army. And uh, right now he's doing his surgical intensive care unit rotation over at, uh, I guess it's now Augusta, old MUSC uh, hospital. So I get a daily text for his round so he looks smart about which antibiotics his patient <laughs> should go on. I got one this morning about should I switch this person from Vank and which is the next antibiotic. So I still remember a little bit of ID. And uh, my wife is, an, is a retired critical care nurse. So my youngest son was anything but health care. And he actually works for Google out in San Francisco and has a job I don't understand where he travels all over the world and makes enough money to live in San Francisco, so I'm perfectly happy. <laughs> and I, I have two kids, a boy and a girl. My boy's son is married. My daughter is not yet. I'm hoping <laughs> she marries soon, and both of them are gainfully employed. Got it. Got it. Uh, all right, so last thing I want you all to leave, a fo- leave us off on is what are you most looking forward to this next year or year and a half uh, at Atrium Health? Um, what are you looking forward to that we're going to be doing and what you're going to get to help lead in Atrium Health uh, in the next year to year and a half? Oh, that's a deep question, right? So Anybody? I'm, yeah. So I'm hoping that there is a, in Atrium Health, there's a better integration so, so we can perform on the population health level. That is there plus how we integrate the new technologies that are coming on onto the existing technology, but we have a lot of desperate technologies, so how do we align them and then move, move these forwards? Yeah, very good. So I think we've um, got a new leadership team. I think they've settled in with a um, starting to be well-defined set of directions and goals. I think the next layer of restructure is happening, so there'll be a lot of uh, new faces and new alignments in the metro region and a lot of uh, new projects to work on and as we expand and grow and try to do different things. So I think that's a challenge, and I'm looking forward to it. I think those things are fun. Is there a big project or, or item that you think we need to make as a number one priority? Well, I think, I think this issue of integration and how we're going to do, do things 
more consistently and spread. I think what we've seen here is we've got the dual pressures of growing the business but keeping our costs down. And those two, they seem like they're opposed to each other, and I think it causes a lot of heartburn. But that's the road to success, and we're going to have to figure out how to do both successfully. Got it. I'm going to interject for one second. The, the joy in, in doing the work and uh, fighting that burnout and resilience, that's something I'm also very excited and interested in. And I, I want to integrate that with the technology question that or comment that Vanit said, because I think we can come up with all kinds of tools, but there's, you know, tools can be more work than they can actually be more helpful. And I think uh, one of those objectives that can help give uh, physicians uh, that time back, that gift of time, that that's where I'm going to focus my energies to kind of say, look, your time is valuable to me, and how can we find ways to get you time back so you can go do those things to help you refuel yourself? And so focusing on the resiliency piece, and if we can tie that into uh, integration and tie that into technology, then it's a win-win-win. But, but, but thank you for saying that, Chuck. So I guess the two things that I'm most excited about for 2020 um, one is the pop health space and all the work we've been doing over the years, really dating back to 2012 on the skilled nursing um, uh, skilled nursing space. So creating high value networks uh, for patients and, and families to leverage once they leave the hospital. Uh, so we've made a lot of progress, and I think we're um, really. Uh, exponential increasing our understanding of who's doing well, uh, both from a quality and a cost of care perspective, and not just sort of from stop A, but sort of the, the whole sort of episode of care, if you will. So I'm, I'm really excited about that. And I think the other thing is that um, I've been on this whole palliative hospice and life care journey, honestly, really, since I was an, uh, uh, an intern in St. Louis beginning in 1990, but in Charlotte since 2002. <clears throat> and we're at, a, we're at a big tipping point now, I think, uh, in terms of people understanding the critical nature of uh, making sure patients and their loved ones understand what's going on so they can really exercise their um, right of informed consent and informed refusal. And yeah. uh, I think yesterday at, at the appropriate care committee uh, meeting, Sheila articulated you know, uh, the, the current state of understanding um, in a way that I haven't heard many physicians outside of those that I sort of am used to hanging out with um, really understand it. So I, I think we're at a tipping point and it's it's very gratifying and to to see and now I'm I'm excited to see what the next um, sort of the next leg of the journey looks like beginning in 2020. Awesome, awesome. All right, Sheila. Yeah, so I'm I'm excited to see um, to echo Dan's sentiments about with the newer leadership team, um, us really changing the way that we look at care across the continuum of care, and really that our strategy is now. Um, looking for the future is now, not where, what do we need to do to get us where we need to be in five years, but how are we already working towards the future right now? There's um, you know, different players in the healthcare marketplace than we've ever been accustomed to before, um, and the face of care look, looks very different for a patient, being able to translate that into the way that the patients perceive their care, not just one hospital, say, not just one doctor's visit, but again, across that whole continuum of care. As we move toward value-based care, I'm really excited to see uh, physicians really embrace both sides of that and how they come together. 
Awesome. Well, our time is up, but uh, I just want to say thank you. Thank you, Dr. Myers, Dr. Barkley, Dr. Tomlinson, Dr. Goal, and Dr. Hagler um, for sharing your time and thoughts. And I know the, uh, the medical staffs at our respective facilities and post-acute care spaces will really be appreciative of this. So thank you all. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Getting the Know with Your CMO. Join us next time where we can hear from Dr. Chuck Tomlinson and his importance of community where he works at Shelby and Kings Mountain. And of course, our Seminole colleagues, Drs. Diamico and Bachnik, who share their experiences in the rehab space and out in Union County and beyond. Look forward to seeing you next time.